the Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims, and we're hopeful. A lot of people are hopeful that sports are getting going again very soon, Charlie, uh, including the NHL and the Admirals Parent Club Nashville will be, uh, well, the plan is that they'll play a series against the Arizona Coyotes and then hopefully be on the move for a, a Stanley Cup appearance. And uh, here to talk about that and a whole lot more is former Admirals forward Colin Blackwell. Blackie, great to see you uh, and, uh, and good to talk to you. How have things been? Hey guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's uh, good to see your guys' faces. Miss you guys. I haven't seen you in a little bit, but everything's going well on my end. Can't complain. And um, yeah, like I said, looking forward to hopefully getting the ball rolling here uh, here soon. Yeah. So you, had, we were just talking off uh, before we started here, and you said that you've been skating in these small groups. Uh, uh, so who do you who do you have in your group? And you said it's pr- it's pretty arduous because you just get so many touches. There's no waiting. You're just it's just go, go, go. Uh, pretty intense, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot like kind of summer, summer skates, uh, a little bit more intense, but um, doing a lot of skills stuff um, and, and just trying to get those touches. And, and a huge thing of taking so much time off is just, you know, kind of getting back in the rhythm and kind of that groove and, and kind of getting timing down and all that. Um, I think you can, you know, work out as much as you want kind of during the quarantine, but um, you know, it's hard to, for some aspects of that to translate conditioning as well, uh, into actual gameplay. Um, so just to get back on the ice and get a, a ton of touches, um, that's one of the benefits of these, uh, small groups and, you know, you're getting a lot of reps and, you know, allows you to get back into shape a little bit quicker. You need that, right? Like, it's kind of like baseball. It's one thing you can set up a pitching machine at your house and hit 80 mile an hour fastballs that are belt high every single time. But once somebody throws one that comes in at 73 or once somebody has a little wiggle in it, you're kind of in trouble. Absolutely. I mean, just, you know, being out there with the guys and then doing some of these flow drills and little skill drills, you know, not everything, like you said, you just, you know, translate it into baseball terms, but you know, not every pass in the beginning is going to be right on your stick or not every pass is, um, you know, going to be right in your wheelhouse type of thing. So kind of just having that, you know, hockey such a fluid game and the timing of it is huge and just to, you know, be able to read and react and, you know, hand-eye coordination, everything just to kind of get back into rhythm is going to take a little bit of time. But where were you? Um, it definitely feels good. To, uh, we to all know what, what, where, we, where we were in Milwaukee when everything stopped. Where were you uh, with the Preds and uh, how did you find out? Um, yeah, well, I think it was March 10th, I want to say. We were in Toronto and we were kind of getting ready for a game. Um, the night before, um, I went out to dinner with one of my college teammates that plays on Toronto, Alex Kerfoot. And, um, you know, we had kind of read the, the news uh, headlines that, you know, Rudy Gobert, um, you know, he had tested positive in the NBA, was thinking about canceling the season. And I think they did later on that night. Um, and it was just kind of a waiting game to see if the NHL would follow suit. Um, I remember that the pregame skate was uh, canceled or postponed just to see. Um, I know they were going to make an announcement, and you know we ended up being in Toronto and ended up getting a, a flight back home um, to Nashville. Um, so it was kind of just like a, a seem uh, everything seemed to unfold pretty quickly. Um, obviously, like I said, the NBA was the the first one to make news, and then uh, we kind of followed suit, and um, it kind of just went from there. I, I heard this. Is the, uh, a crazy story. It was Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg was playing uh, Edmonton. And like, so the NBA shuts down like mid game, basically. And guys come out for the third period to face off. And they're talking to each other, like on opposing teams. Hey, did you hear what's going on? Cause they're, you know, obviously guys are had the, there's TVs in the locker room and guys look at their phones. And like, I can't imagine what a surreal moment that would be to be on the ice thinking like this could be the last, this might be the last 20 minutes that we're playing for who knows how long. Yeah. I mean, even for me, to be honest with you, I, I, I didn't really understand the severity of it and the significance of it at the time. I didn't think it would last this long um, because it really hadn't quite, um, you know, erupted too much in the U S uh, at that time. Um, and, you know, f- for me, uh, I know I don't really check my phone or anything like that in between periods, but um, it's definitely, I remember seeing the highlights of uh, maybe a Utah's, Utah Jazz game or something along those lines. Uh, I remember seeing Mark Cuban kind of on the sidelines at Dallas Mavericks game. He was looking at his phone and saw the, the news of the NBA was canceling the season. And then they, the players got off the court and 
um, yeah, just honestly, everything happened so quickly to, um, you know, it almost seems like that was yesterday. It's been a long quarantine, but at the same time, uh, you know, that is pretty fresh in the head and for us to kind of get back going, hopefully shortly, it's, um, it's pretty exciting. How weird has this, how different has this situation been for you? And the fact that right now you'd probably be just, well, like, like I guess you are now for the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs, you just start skating probably getting ready for the season. Now you're actually getting ready for what is hopefully a Stanley Cup playoff push and, yeah. uh, and then a short off season. And then who knows what happens? Obviously you got to deal with what's, what's coming down the pike first, but, but this is, nobody's ever experienced this. Yeah, no, I definitely, um, that's one thing I think that's benefits, um, somebody like myself, um, you know, you go into the Stanley Cup playoffs and a lot of people talk about experience, but this is uh, something that nobody in the league has ever experienced yeah. before. And um, I think last time I, I, I maybe see, saw you guys or talked to you guys, I, I joked around is, uh, you know, I've played in the minor leagues for a while and, and you know, there's some buildings that you play out on a Tuesday night where there's nobody in the stands. And, um, right. you know, I played uh, in one place, uh, not the, I played for the San Jose Barracuda one year where there was a brand new team and we were playing in the SAP center, maybe getting, you know, 500 fans a night type of thing. So that's something that I look at as experience where I, I've played in some of these situations before, maybe not a Stanley cup playoffs, but, um, for me, just kind of preparing for it. Um, obviously the ice time factor is something that, you know, everybody is in different situations, but you know, I've kind of treated it as like an off season. Um, you know, you had six to eight weeks, maybe even longer from a training perspective and doing what you can to kind of stay in shape. And I kind of had a mindset that we we're always going to get back to possibly playing. Um, so, I mean, I think if it goes down to mindset, if you, if you do have that and prepare right, um, prepare correctly, then you're only going to set yourself up, um, to succeed. And like I said, nobody else has really experienced this. So it should be, should be pretty interesting. Let's, let's go back like a long time. And how does he, uh, Harvard, not exactly the, I don't care if you're an athlete or not not exactly the easiest school to get into. Like they're not, they're not pulling any strings for a guy who pulls a uh, 16 on his ACT to get him in. Uh, how did you end up at Harvard? Uh, you insinuated that he got a 16 on his ACT. <laughs> <laughs> That's what uh, you just did. <laughs> and he probably took an SAT, not the he's, he's from out East. He's not the Midwest. <laughs> uh, I'm going to remember that one, Charlie, but uh... yeah, right. <laughs> No. Um, yeah, to be honest with you, I, I felt like I was, I still am. I think my college recruiting process is very similar to how my professional career has gone on. I definitely a late blossomer. Um, I know, especially nowadays, I know they changed the rules, but a lot of kids were just like committing so early eighth grade, freshman year, sophomore year, high school, when I was kind of going through the process and, you know, I got some interest from, from some schools and Harvard was one of them. And, um, I remember, um, you know, I ended up taking the SAT a couple times because at first it was, you know, we really like you as a player and we think you'd fit in well here, but, you know, obviously, like you said, not the easiest school to get into. So I didn't really know if I could. Um, so it didn't really make sense for me to, to commit at an early age if, you know, both myself and them, um, didn't really know if I could get into the school. So. I ended up um, kind of holding off on committing to schools and kind of just keeping an open door and, you know, hoping that I could get my grades up so that I could essentially go there. And, you know, it really came down to, I went on a really nice tour there and coach Donato walked me around and, you know, basically said, you know, if hockey's your goal, obviously it's a good place to, to be. And they thought at the time the program was kind of in the dumps and, you know, with myself and a bunch of people in my recruiting class that they had, going forward and then we had some other people um in the classes that were committed uh for the future as well there are a lot of good players uh i wanted to kind of be a part of that to kind of change the, the culture there and change the program and to be honest with you a lot of kids from where i'm from is the bu and bc that's where they want to go to school and right uh, those people you know they didn't really give me the time of day so i i wanted to be a part of the group that beat those guys um right so, you know, unfortunately, it didn't quite work out too many times when I was there. But just to see how the, the program has transitioned from when I was there, I think they were 12th in the league and one of the worst teams in the country. And the year after I left, 
um, they lost in overtime to in the frozen four. So uh, just to be right. a part of that was something that I wanted to do. But, you know, like I was going back, Coach Donato brought me on the campus and I kind of fell in love with it. And he said, you know, if hockey doesn't quite work out, um, where do you want to be if, you know, you break your leg or and your career ends? And, you know, sure. I always felt like having a Harvard education was kind of worth the wait. So I ended up waiting until my, my – uh, senior fall kind of right before Halloween maybe and took one more test and um, got my grades up in the meantime and was able to to kind of seal the deal. Yours is such an interesting path because if I'm not mistaken you played high school hockey right? You didn't yeah. play the national U.S. national team development program or go to some junior route or USHL or anything like that. You played high school hockey and uh, right now I would venture to guess that the guys in the NHL who played high school hockey I think that's probably Unless a you're pretty from small percentage of, of people who who yeah. did yeah um I think for me like uh, going back to just being a late blossomer uh when I had committed I was originally committed for uh to do a year of junior hockey after I graduated high school and then my senior year is kind of where I really blossomed and, you know, started getting a little, you know, I was a little bit ahead of the pack and um, I ended up not having to do a year of juniors and they brought me in as a true freshman and ended up working out really well. But, you know, from high school hockey, that's kind of the path. Everybody kind of thinks, you know, you need to go play juniors. You need to go play for the best program type of thing. And everybody was always trying to pull me in one direction or another direction. Um, but to be honest with you, I, I, will stress it and I can't stress it enough is it's all about fit and you know having people kind of believe in you and I, I saw a lot of people that might have been at one point better than me or just as good as me and you know they went to go you know play juniors at a young age and they kind of got chewed up and spit out to be honest with you and swallowed swallowed up and ended up not really developing into you know a whole whole you know well-rounded player and, and for me I was able to play power play penalty kill play a ton of minutes and you know, really get that experience under my belt and kind of be the guy. And I think going into my senior year, that's when, you know, I think my confidence was was sky high. And that brought me into my, my freshman year of college where I was able to do pretty well. I, I just, that, having, you know, the ability and the opportunity to, you know, develop that way allowed me to realize that, you know, I can compete with some of the players on, on the national stage go to these usa development camps and do really well and you know actually kind of get noticed from that standpoint have you always been like we look at you now and like you're a small guy but for a small guy you're an agitator and you're fast with a with a big shot not you don't we don't see a lot of guys you know hammering one-timers that are you know five ten five nine right have you, is this always, has your game always been, uh, been like that? Honestly, no, my game's changed so much, I guess, honestly, from year to year. Um, my story is basically I took, you know, I got a really bad concussion uh, where it lasted two years. Um, and that was from basically my 50% of my sophomore year, my whole junior year and 98% of my senior year type of thing. And, you know, every single day that I, uh, and I withdrew from, from school for a semester because I just wasn't able to really be a normal human being, be a normal student and wasn't able to play hockey. So I was like, why am I struggling through this? And in uh, growing up uh, in my basement, when we moved to our house in Massachusetts, my, it's an unfinished basement. And my dad said, um, we can either, you know, over the years, maybe finish this and make it into a basement or you guys can do whatever you want with it. And my brother and I turned it into a, like a street hockey rink basically. And, end up breaking a few windows down there but when I was always down there and honestly I was just working on my um the years I took off I was just working on my one-timers and when I would skate um you know I wasn't really able to skate around or I would just take one-timers honestly yeah. and because you can't get your your pulse up right yeah so like honestly when I was in high school I don't think I ever took any slap shots when I was my freshman year of college I wasn't really taking any slap shots and it wasn't until you know, all of a sudden I take this amount of time and my time off and my body honestly changed. And um, I just, you know, maybe gained a little bit more weight because I took time off and kind of used it to my advantage to, I don't know, you learn, you look at some of these hockey sticks nowadays. And for me, they were breaking all the time. And I kind of learned the technology of them and kind of how to 
use them essentially and let the stick do the work for you. And um, I don't really consider myself as this person with this big bomb or a big slap shot or anything, but um, that's something that I definitely tried to add, uh, add to my game um, over the years. Um, and then, you know, kind of being an agitator, my game has changed um, a lot over the course of the years. And I think I've been able to turn myself into a Swiss army knife type of thing. When I first kind of came into the league, um, I was a fourth line, fourth liner that was just trying to do whatever you could to stay in the lineup every single night. And um, I think a lot of people don't really realize that in order to crack, you, you have to make some of those sacrifices every now and again. You don't always get what you want. And I was able to kind of mold my game to, to play kind of any kind of role. And that's kind of why I think I've been successful over the last couple of years too. I remember, and I've told you this before, um, when soon after Scott Nickel was hired a couple of years ago as the GM, I was talking with him on the phone. It was right about this time of year, um, you know, after July, I guess, because free agency had happened. And he said, we signed this guy named Colin Blackwell. He played in Rochester last year. You're going to love him. He's going to be awesome for us. And I said, great. You know, and I saw what you had done. It was like 35 points in 28 games or something for Rochester to finish the season. I mean, it was just this crazy good stretch. So I said, all right, here we go. And I saw, and you'd mentioned your injury history in the past. And here we are, first game of the year at Texas. And all of a sudden, it's it's done for a while. Did yeah. you think like, oh, God, here we go again? No, I definitely did. I uh, That probably was one of the most like deflating things because I think anything uh, – anything that I could say to anyone is you need in my opportunity or my story, what I truly believe is you need um, timing is everything. And I think you need somebody to believe in you. And I, I definitely think that this organization and Scotty Nickel in particular believed in me. And I remember I, I thought I had a really good camp and I had a really good summer coming into that and really good, you know, rookie showcase that we did down in Florida. And I was super confident. And I remember that Texas game, I, I truly felt that I, was one of the best players on the ice yeah. and I, I felt like I was flying out there and I was in great shape and I was like this is going to be an exciting year and I thought we had a great team and you know I thought I had a good game and it was frustrating where that injury where my shoulder popped out was in overtime I think right um, so on I the game winning goal right no or, yeah I think it was the shift after or shift before before um, yeah so I remember being like oh you got to be kidding me type of thing like not again um I, I had a really good exit meeting with everybody. And um, at the time I was like, Oh, it was my shoulder. I didn't really think anything of it. Um, I thought I was going to, you know, rub it out and maybe be back for the next game type of thing, not miss six weeks. Um, so I definitely think that was pretty deflating and definitely frustrating. But um, you know, for me, given what I've been through, I knew that that wasn't really going to keep me down or knock me down. Yeah. It's just, you know, another roadblock, another obstacle that I kind of had to get over. And, um, you know, you really just have to make way with some of the cards that you're dealt. And um, it's easy to get down and frustrated. But, you know, I had a really good support network down there in Milwaukee and training staff and was able to get back pretty strong and come back and, um, you know, it ended up working out. We're all obviously uh, some of our experiences, but I'm curious what what you have gone through and those experiences um, with what you're facing now as well, what the world is facing now, but what you're facing as a pro athlete to go into this bubble and all of this stuff, how much are you leaning on your past experiences and your, the mindset that you've developed over the years through disappointment and fatigue and heartache to say, you know what, maybe this isn't so bad. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. I think the team and, well, both individually, uh, players that are going to do well and the teams that are going to succeed, it's all about mindset. Uh, you know, there's not going to be fans. There's there's going to be a lot of things that a lot of players haven't experienced before or maybe in a while. And, um, you know, there's a possibility that even though you're in the bubble that somebody could contract, uh, you know, the virus when we're in there. And then what happens after that? There's a lot of unknowns and kind of going into that, knowing that, you know, some of this stuff's going to – you know something could potentially happen so you know kind of being a realist about some of that stuff and you know for me individually knowing that you know when my number's called I need to be ready type of thing it might not be day one it could be not even in the first series type of thing and um, I hope it is but um, and I, I am ready but that's the mindset that I have going in that you know 
it's always going to be the next, next, next man up type of mindset. And um, that's kind of what I've always had. Uh, whenever your, your numbers call, you, you got to be ready because um, this is your moment. You kind of have to, you know, take, you know, seize the opportunity type of thing. Um, and for me personally, I, you know, unfortunately I have had a injury history and like to put that in the past, but um, my body, I like to think is, you know, adapted and kind of used to maybe taking a little bit of time off like we just had and then, you know, jumping right back into the swing of things. So I have a little bit of experience uh, in doing that and I'm trying to use some of those uh, experiences um, to help myself in this uh, specific situation. Uh, I'm curious, how did you end up, you signed a two-year deal with Nashville uh, two years ago, two summers ago, almost almost to the day, to be honest. It was probably, yeah. a, it was about July 1st, July 2nd. Yeah. Why, why Nashville? You're, you know, you're, you're come, like Aaron said, you're coming up a good year with Rochester. I'm sure you had a, a fair number of suitors. So why'd you pick uh, Nashville? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was when I came into the league, I, I mean, I was drafted by San Jose, but I uh, was given, I, I got an AHL contract and then the next year it was interesting. I, um, I thought, you know, I played my role and I thought I did really well. I had a really good playoffs with them. We went to the Western Conference Finals and um, I didn't even have a job until Rochester. I went to, I went to their, um, you know, rookie camp and did well. And they invited me to their training camp and I didn't go to an NHL training camp that summer. And I honestly, it was a little bit of a rude awakening. I, I was basically like, um, my mind, I, I didn't think it was going to get to that point. I was basically looking at teams that I was going to be playing for in the East coast league and said, well, when I went to Rochester's training camp, I was like, you know, either I'm going to be an East coast league player, borderline AHL player for the rest of my short career, or I need to, you know, I need to, this is my opportunity type of thing. And you can't be afraid to make any mistakes. And I kind of went into that saying, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And, you know, if I make mistakes, so be it. I'm going to leave it all on the ice type of thing. And I end up getting and a – Not to mention you got a Harvard degree too that like <laughs> probably calling out like I can, you know, I don't need to make 22 grand in the ECHL, right? <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, you work so hard for your whole entire life to kind of get to this point and you don't want to kind of give up just with a snap of a finger type of thing. Right. So I uh, – it was kind of one of those things where – I basically said this is either going to be my last year playing hockey or um, I'm going to, you know, you know, climb the ladder type of thing. And uh, Rochester gave me that opportunity and I ended up doing really well and was able to um, show what type of player I was and, you know, what my potential was and how I could play. Um, and with talking a bunch of teams in that free agency window, um, I honestly just felt very comfortable um, with Nashville and kind of their outlook um, and what they saw in me and, you know, I, I definitely, I think a lot of teams can, you know, tell you what you want to hear. Um, and I, um, some people can bite on that. And for me, I, I wasn't necessarily looking for that. I just wanted somebody to be straight up honest with me and see what you see. Because at that time I was, I think, 25 years old and I needed to know in the next year or two if I was going to be able to, you know, get an opportunity to play in the NHL. Um, and obviously I, I didn't think it was going to be just handed to me. I needed to work for it. But um, if I didn't, you know, get that window, uh, there's so many, there were other teams that, you know, were interested, but, you know, I didn't know if I was really, where was I, um, kind of in their minds, you know, everybody has a very, uh, you know, high end prospect pool and every single year there's so much turnover. Um, and just with talking to Scooter, um, and the Poils and, um, I, I truly just felt it was a great fit. I knew that, you know, the road to Nashville goes through Milwaukee. We're going to have a new coaching staff. Um, so it was kind of a clean slate for everybody and I could just go in um, and just kind of be myself type of thing. And I think that was good with, uh, you know, Carl and coach Taylor and the coaching staff down in Milwaukee and um, just kind of get a, a fresh start and a fresh set of eyes. And, you know, I thought Nashville, um, they had made it a run for the cup the last couple of years and, you know, in doing so they had made some trades in order to give up some prospects um, so I felt like, um, you know, going to Milwaukee and kind of earning my spot and earning my role and kind of my, working my way up that way was, you know, going to be my best shot for me to, to get to the NHL and make an impact. How active, you mentioned you were talking. I'm curious, was it you talking or are they talking to your agent or how, how active are you in the conversations? Are you, are you really the one talking to people? Um, I, I definitely 
uh, I have an agent and he dealt with the majority of it, but we definitely did have a you know a conference call. Um, I remember uh, I was sitting down. I think there was five people, head of scouting. Uh, there was a bunch of scouts on the call and, you know, the Poyles, Jeff Kelty, Scooter, um, and, and maybe a, a few other people. And it was basically, I, I remember, you know, they wanted to talk to me and I wanted to talk to them because I, I never met any of these people. And um, I think that uh, they asked me if I thought that I could play in the NHL. Um, and I basically kind of told them my story and the reason why I think that I can play in the NHL and why I'm different from maybe some of the other people in their organization or even in their, on their team or even in uh, the free agency window that they might have been looking at. And, you know, I believe in myself. And I think that's one of the things that uh, goes a long way. And, you know, I, if I didn't believe in myself, I would have given up a hell of a long time ago. Um, and it's just kind of one of those things where, um, you know, I had a really good conversation. It was basically kind of like an interview both ways, essentially. And, you know, I think they were very comfortable with me. And I loved what, um, you know, the opportunity that I had in front of me. And I, I, uh, I left that conversation thinking that was a place where, you know, I, I wanted to be and felt that I, I was wanted um, and definitely felt that they believed in me as well. So um, it was just kind of one of those things where I, I thought it was a good fit. And now you got one of these because of it. Can you see that? <laughs> I can Colin see that. Well, rookie card. I know that is awesome. I, uh, I when I got a chance to see my brother, he he had one too, and uh, um, so it was pretty cool to see that stuff. Uh, just a childhood dream from kind of my basement come true. <laughs> did you did you collect cards when you were a kid? Uh, I definitely did. I, I definitely did, and. Um, I, I think that was the thing. I collected um, a bunch of different cards and even just now to have my own, I guess I never really put things into perspective that way that I was collecting them as I was a kid and now I have my own. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Was it Bruins? Who did you collect? Um, Cam uh, Neely, uh, oh, Ray Bork. Yeah, no, I definitely had those. Um, I was a Bruins fan growing up. Uh, not so much anymore, but um, I, I collected fo uh, just sports cards. I remember having like LeBron James, Allen Iverson. Um, I, I, my, one of the coolest ones I have now is I got in a raffle a um, Carly Ustremski rookie card. And really? Carly, Carly in a Ustremski. raffle? Yeah, Carly Ustremski's uh, grandson I went to high school with. He's one of my good buddies. And the one played. who plays ball with the Giants? Yeah, he plays for the Mike, Giants. Yeah, we, we, Mike Yastrzemski is uh, he's was two years older than me in high school, and he played on the baseball team. And he, we hung out, um, you know, over the last two years because he lives in Nashville because he went to Vanderbilt. Um, so I had him, uh, and just you know, the Yastrzemskis uh, are in a town or two over from where we live and have mutual friends. So I got it signed actually. So that's one of my, oh my uh, prize possessions back home. So it's wow. uh, not quite on that level. But, I, am, uh, <laughs> I am old enough to actually have been at a game where Carl Yastrzemski was a DH. No way. 37 years ago. It was 1983 at the Metrodome. The Red Sox played the twins and my dad, was just, <laughs> my dad ever got us. We, we sat just back at third base. Uh, which no was way. the twins du twins dugout but but Yaz was in the lineup that day yeah I remember that Yaz and Jim I, Rice and Dewey Evans and Wade Boggs and yeah it was a show that that's is, that's yeah. actually that's a pretty good segue uh not Aaron's uh trips to the Metrodome but uh <laughs> you went you you're friends with and went to high school with a pretty uh, another famous athlete uh who has Milwaukee ties Pat Connaughton yeah um yeah so <sighs> I graduated in 2011, but, you know, we had a lot of great athletes come through um, the building. Yaz was one of them, too. He was two years older than us. But um, talk about one of the coolest things, um, just to share my experience in Milwaukee with Pat. And every time I go back, we, we hang out um, all the time. And he came to my games. I got a chance to go to his games. Um, but it was cool. I remember sitting. I had just signed um with Nashville and knew that I was going to be you know probably starting in Milwaukee, in Milwaukee. And, and Pat where he has a beach house in New Hampshire and uh, once a summer all our friends from high school kind of get together and we go up to his his house and spend uh you know a day or two there and 
he was going through the free agency window as well. And he's telling me, you know, could be this team, that team, but one of the teams, um, you know, having good conversations with is Milwaukee. And I was, I remember just being like, dude, like you got to sign in Milwaukee because that's where I'm probably going to be. And imagine both of us in Milwaukee. And I think it was, you know, a couple of days later, he signed with the Bucks. And I remember, you know, obviously I started off at training camp in Nashville. And then when I ended up in Milwaukee, I was told to get a place and I'm looking at a place uh, kind of in Lower East Side area in Milwaukee, and I go into the the um, what do you call it when you um, like the entryway when you walk into the building and there's Pat. So like my first year, I I uh, lived in the same building uh, as him, and you know our friends would always come and visit, and just to have that uh, support network and one of your close friends um, outside of hockey um, was awesome. Um, just to have that and be able to see him develop as a player and as well as he's doing too. It, it was, it was pretty cool. Oh, he's kind of a hero here. Yeah. He's kind of a big deal. They've, yeah. He's taken it. Is it, he always kind of the happy go lucky fun loving kind of guy? As yeah, absolutely. To be? yeah, no, he definitely is. It's funny. Like I, we joke around, he's a big um, plays NHL on like PlayStation all the time. And whenever I go over to his place, he would just crush me in, in, in NHL. Uh, <laughs> and, and like, I, I, I never really played, I played growing up, but like I hadn't played in a while. Um, and I, if I did play, I'd play 2 2k, like NBA 2k. And I'd be like, let's play 2k. Like, come on, that's my game. And he was like, no, 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 we're playing NHL. So he would play <laughs> me in my game, but wouldn't play me in his because, you know, I, I beat him up pretty bad, but, um, uh, you need no, to start like, hosting. Was, you need to start I'm, hosting the parties. No, no, I, I uh, he's, uh, he's always goofing around. He's always having a good time. He's always lightens the mood type of thing. So. Um, this year was pretty cool because his uh, childhood best friend, Joe Stanton, I guess I'm giving him a little shout out here. He moved in with Pat, um, helps um, kind of in the real estate uh, world that they're in and work together. Um, so we had, you know, us three, uh, it was pretty cool kind of hanging out at the beginning of this year while I was in town and, um, you know, just having them, like I said, outside of kind of the hockey world, a lot of times where I've played in different places, uh, especially turning pro like you know during school when I would play you have a bunch of different sets of friends where you know you can get your mind right and outside of hockey every now and again but when you turn pro um, you, you don't always have that so for me to have my uh, close buddies living in the same uh, same city as me and literally same building and right down the street um, and being able to kind of get outside the rink uh, to their place or my place or to his games it was uh, it was definitely something that um, I'll bring it with me for the rest of the way. Uh, one of the things that I, one of the things I think Nashville has really done a good job in the last couple of years is, and, and I actually don't think they had done a good job prior to that is rewarding guys who are performing well for us with call-ups as opposed to just bringing up prospect a because he, he's the prospect. And that's basically what happened to you is you got called up because you're playing well and so talk about when you got – who told you, who was your first call, and then let's talk about your first NHL game. Yeah, um, that's definitely one of the things that went into, you know, free agency decision is, is that uh, just particular, uh, exactly like you just said. I truly felt when I was talking to everyone that that was going to be the case if you did play well and produce and uh, you would get a call up, and I, I was very comfortable with that. And um, – I got called into the coach's office um, and, and I had been out for a little while. Um, I had my shoulder and then I got to play like, uh, you know, eight to 10 games. And I was, you know, not necessarily myself, but I was taking some time off and slowly kind of getting back into it. And kind of by the end there, I was finally feeling comfortable with my game again after. Uh, and then I think there, I, I had one weekend where I finally played pretty well and I got called in the coach's office and, um, I didn't think I was going to get called up. And to be honest with you, I, I don't really follow, especially when I was playing in the AHL, kind of I watch highlights every now and again, um, but don't really um, pay attention too much to who's getting hurt and kind of what the deal is because that can kind of get your mind racing and stuff along those lines. And I just, just drive you crazy, that. I'm sure, right? Yeah, exactly. So just to let it happen organically. And if it happens, it happens. If not, you keep doing your thing. And I got called in the coach's office and, I think I scored a goal, but I was minus 
two that night or something along those lines. So, um, and I think it was after a game against San Diego. So um, I remember getting called in the office, like after or right before practice started the next practice day. And I was like, Oh boy, uh, I I didn't know where this was going type of thing. And Carl kind of had this, um, you know, straight look on his face and uh, I was kind (laughs) of like freaking out. And he basically you know, told me, you know, I was getting called up. Uh, and I basically was like, if you're messing with me right now, like, <laughs> or the, this is not going to go over well. Could there be a said, worse joke than yeah. that? I, well, I was, yeah, I might have said a couple, uh, a couple of different words there, but uh, um, he, uh, they all kind of congratulated me. And the first thing I did, I think uh, we were going to the current center that day. So the basketball court was uh, down at uh, UWM Panther and, I was just on the court. I grabbed my phone and called my dad, my parents, um, just to let them know. And to be honest with you, at that point in time, I just uh, told them, like, it was the coolest thing of all time to be able to call my dad and who rode with me in the 6 a.m. games, my mom's uh, 6 a.m. practices, my mom to practices, people who stuck by me to, to share that moment with them. But even then, I didn't know if I, was, I got the call, but I didn't know if I was going to play or not. Um, and then um, – it was pretty cool where I was in the airport waiting for my flight and um, uh, Dan Muse, the assistant coach uh, of the Predators called me and said I was going to be playing. And it's kind of funny how everything comes full circle. Um, Muser was an assistant coach at Yale and I played against him when I was at Harvard. Um, So I I had some familiarity with him. Yale was a school that I, um, I did look at to going through the recruiting process, um, and, uh, for college. And so I, I knew him not like extremely well, but, um, just to have him kind of give me a call, um, being like, Hey, like, it's funny how 10 years ago, um, you know, I was maybe trying to get you to come to a school and now I'm telling you you're playing your first NHL game. That was, you know, a pretty cool m- moment. And then I was able to call my parents from there being like, you got to get or uh, you know what on a flight to, to Nashville because I'm I'm playing my first game tomorrow so that was uh, that was something that was pretty in, insane that was pretty cool and that's something I'll remember for the the rest of my life I had my brother my parents and um, like four of my four or five of my best friends like fly down for it um, people kind of stuck by me and been with me through the the thick and thin ups and downs um, so it was definitely a night that I have uh, pictures of it kind of hung over uh, my parents' house and uh, something I'll remember for the rest of my life. Do you know, I'm always curious about this because it, it's such a, a spur of the moment thing. If I were to go online right now and do a spur of the moment flight, that ticket would have been $350 a month ago, but it's like $1,900 now. Are there are there rates like for these kind of crazy things that that people don't have to end up going bankrupt did, did the predators did the predators, help the 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 predators help have a deal through their people do you have any idea um no they i i think there is a rule when you're on your entry level contract that they they bring your um your parents they do out, okay. um so they take from yeah for me we but you're we, not a, you weren't on an elc no, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's what happens when you're uh, <laughs> you get your first NHL contract when you're when you're 25, um, <laughs> but and you're considered on the back nine for the hockey hockey world, but <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> but no, um, yeah, it was just kind of one of those things. I think I I use like kayak all the time, or usually have like the cheaper flights or like Google flights, and at that point in time, like whether it was expensive or not. Um, uh, it was pretty. It was pretty funny though because I I got a bunch of tickets for all my friends and family and um, I remember uh, I had no idea how long I'd be playing in in the NHL. I was up for a couple of weeks at that time, um, but for my first game, I think I got like nine or ten tickets for friends and family. And so um, I remember getting like the invoice afterwards, being like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, you, you guys be better, better, like, better stay up a guys, few more weeks." Yeah, you guys better enjoyed that night. <laughs> right, you're, you're making NHL money, but all of that NHL money is going to your friends and family. Yeah, exactly. But it was like, no, I would have spent as much money as they would have charged me for that just to have my <laughs> friends uh, and, and parents and, and brother been there is the coolest thing. And they never experienced Bridgestone Arena, and I hadn't either. I um, I think in all the preseason games that I was a part of that first year, I, I they were all away games, so I – 
never, I, I didn't really know what to expect. And then to, to go out of the tunnel and just the whole experience was surreal. And they, uh, they had some pretty sick seats to, to witness it too. <laughs> who, who was the game against? And did you have like a welcome to the NHL moment? Like, you, you know, you're lining up against on, on your first shift uh, and you look across and it's, you know, Sid Crosby or, you know, uh, Malkin or whoever. I've had a couple of those, but not in the first game. The first game experience that was cool was uh, we were playing Florida, and I played um, with a couple guys on that team growing up, a kid from Massachusetts, Frankie Vetrano, and sure. uh, uh, Vincent Trocek. We were on the same summer league uh, summer team growing up um, out of Boston, um, and Frankie basically on a face-off was like, hey, congratulations, man. Uh, like uh, just a little – and Vince Trocek said that too um, – and that was something that I didn't even know that they knew it was my first game type of thing. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it was pretty cool just to have those guys who, um, uh, you know, people I grew up with essentially uh, acknowledging uh, they don't definitely didn't know kind of the route that I took to get there. But for them to even just go out of their way to say something to me was, was pretty cool. But um, I definitely, um, you know, the majority of the time that I get to play um, in the NHL, I, I do play on like a third, fourth line kind of role. So a lot of times I, um, whether it's an icing or whatnot, and with, uh, depending on what building we're in, I have gotten stuck out there, especially that first uh, set of the call-ups that I had last year. I remember we played um, in Vegas, we played in Colorado, um, and we played in Florida one game. And, you know, some of those teams have some pretty high on top lines and, I remember taking face-offs uh, when I just like maybe ice the puck or something like that against a fresh, um, you know, fresh like Nathan McKinnon, uh, Gabriel <laughs> Landeskog, and uh, Miko Rantanen type of thing. And, you know, that atmosphere in Colorado is pretty cool. And, you know, just kind of accepting that role, knowing that like this is, this is going to be it. I'm, I'm going to, when, you know, a coach is trying to match lines, um, I'm going to be playing against some of their top guys in certain situations. So, um, especially in away games. So um, there definitely was some uh, – I remember there, there was one time where it, it was interesting because when I got called up that year, like, like I said, I think I played two games after I had just come back from, uh, you know, a concussion of like two months or something like that. And I played – I skated for five days with uh, Norbs um, and got back into shape, played two games – and I did well, and I got called up. And then all of a sudden, my first two games that I was playing, I, I had one long shift, where I, and I played like 12 minutes that game or, or something along those lines. Like, wow, he was playing me a lot because I was just kind of flying around out there. And I remember <laughs> um, I had like a two-minute shift, and I was stuck out there on an icing with like Gabe, uh, that, bit, that big line of Colorado. And I remember being like, oh, my God, I need to get <laughs> off this ice right now because – I've been, I've been out for two, two months basically. And I skated seven days and, you know, nobody on, on the Preds or like the coaches, they, they don't really take that into account or realize Yeah, they have that. no idea. And I remember being like, I need like an oxygen tank right now or something along those lines. <laughs> this was but, in Colorado. Yeah. I think it was yeah, right it was. altitude. And, yeah. No, you need it. No, it was funny. Um, <laughs> my friends were, were, were chirping me because, um, I had played a ton that first period in Colorado with the altitude and it was like my second game or something along those lines. And I had an interview right after the first period. And I, at the time I was still wearing like a shoulder brace for my shoulder injury. So like you combine not really skating that much playing in Colorado, playing a fast pace, like NHL style that I wasn't used to and playing on the fourth line where I was kind of going around trying to hit everything in my path. And, um, you combined all that, like in the interview that I had in intermission, I couldn't even breathe. <laughs> like I couldn't even talk. <laughs> so let's then fast forward this year. You obviously, you know, you, you come back and you have a great start for the admirals um, and get called back up and you see Aaron and I in Chicago at a morning skate. And obviously we inspire you because that <laughs> night, you get your first NHL goal. Take us through that goal. We've all seen it, but take us through the goal and what 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 you're thinking and uh, and what you do with the puck. Yeah, no, um, I was I think I was out there with uh, Yaki and and Turi, um, and I think it was a pretty good defensive play in our own zone that kind of got the puck moving, and we were coming out of the 
out of the defensive zone with a ton of speed and I think uh, a good pass. Um, I Turi off the wall to me with some speed and then I pass it to Yaki and I see your kid in the background. Um, yep. And uh, it's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, Yak and I have really good chemistry. Um, so to be able to bring that, that we built from Milwaukee to, to Nashville. And I think we went on a two on one and he fed me a great feed. Um, but I think the defenseman, I don't remember who it was, just lifted my stick up at the last second where I missed the, missed an empty netter basically. And, you know, those two continued the four check type of thing. And I think Turi stick lifted somebody, um, and Yaki, um, you know, got me a puck right in the slot and, you know, was able to, you know, find the back of the net type of thing. And I remember it was just like a, a monkey off my back, uh, all that, you know, hard work that you put in. Um, just reminded me of days in my, my basement when I was a kid and just uh, let a lot of emotion out. And it was just uh, kind of one of the coolest, uh, it, almost exactly like I envisioned it basically. Uh, but it was, it was something that was, uh, that was, you know, it was an unbelievable experience. And uh, I'll, I'll remember that, especially playing in the United Center. That, that was something that I heard is a really cool building to play in. And, um, right. you know, def definitely uh, it was a surreal moment. And you can make those buildings quiet. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, like you score your first NHL goal that night. So another guy on your team scores his first NHL goal that night to steal the limelight from you. Like that was pretty <laughs> rude of a, a Pecorine to get a goal at the end. And, you know, take the media attention away from you. Right. That was like the coolest thing though of all time when uh, I, I mean, I don't think I I jumped so high when I was on the bench when when that happened. Like you obviously have seen over the course of the years, you know, a couple goalie goals here and there. And my dad was a goalie too, and he was one of the people that wouldn't let me be a goalie. Um, <laughs> and, and and it was kind of one of those things where when I saw, you know, he, both our goalies are so good at playing the puck, and I've never really seen a goalie kind of attempt it. And when he got it and had some time and space, and when he let go of it, I was like. Oh my, this this has a chance and uh, just to have my first goal kind of be a part of, of that honestly was icing on the cake you can make all the jokes you want about uh, you know you know stealing the limelight or something along those lines right but, uh, just being in the same category as that and I mean Pekka's goal is the goal of the year type of thing so um, that that was honestly like the to share it with him type of thing it was that's that's pretty damn cool Pe Pekka I mean he's obviously always been known for playing the puck I remember when he was here in Milwaukee, uh, for some reason, it was at the end of the year, and it was just a mess around practice or whatever, so he skated out. And uh, Paul Brown, who was a, a draft pick, a second or third round pick a, a number of years ago, third, yeah, he had third. said, yeah, he, he had said on the bench, he's like, Peck is better than I am, like, <laughs> as a skater. Yeah, it's scary how some of these goalies and they've got better hands, hands than I do. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, you know, just that's like the, uh, the way the goalie position has evolved. Like these, these goalies are, you know, they're, they're a third defenseman back there breaking the puck out and, you know, Pekka and Juice too. They, they, they make our, our team that much better when they're able to handle the puck like that um, and prevent the other team from forechecking and get us out of the, getting us out of the, the defensive zone. Well, Saros has come a long way. He's really come a long way because it wasn't a strength of his, and now and now it is. When he first now came it is hockey, now it's it's just fantastic. But to, Charlie, do you remember Ben Bishop at the Bradley Center yeah. duking people? Yeah, he, for sure. People, <laughs> it was just crazy to see these guys. You talk about hands, Depeka, and all these guys. It's it's really amazing. Um, you're close to business as usual here now. Colin yeah. it's gonna be it's got to be nice to to know that it's it's here yeah absolutely uh you know it's you know obviously like over the quarantine not as much ice but definitely working out and conditioning and everything along those lines but now that you know you're back in small groups and you know the training camp is right around the horizon here starting on on Monday um you know back to business as usual um and, and it's definitely one of those things we were talking the other day how good it is just to even in a small group, how good it is to be around the guys and around um, like-minded individuals um, and, and people that, um, you know, we spent so much time going to battle with each other for the whole year to have it just cut short type of thing, just to kind of, you know, get back and, you know, hopefully have uh, the ability and opportunity to get another last crack at it here uh, is definitely, uh, you know, some, 
in other situations, you know, may not have happened. So, you know, we're grateful that, you know, safety is the number one priority, but if we can conquer that and have an opportunity to play for the Stanley cup, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely pretty cool to get back to the swing of things. Obviously we don't know what's going to happen here in the next week or two, but when you get back to practice, uh, full on workouts, do you anticipate that it's going to be Arizona coyotes based like thinking about what they do? Obviously it's, it's wrong to say that we're preparing for them and we're going to do what we do and all of that stuff. But it's such a unique situation in that, you know, right away, you have a best of five series with the Arizona Coyotes to start before anything, hopefully to, to start the rest of the way here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely think that, you know, everybody's coming from different situations during the, the shutdown and the quarantine. Some people had ice, some people had some ice, some didn't. Um, and I don't really know where every, where everybody is and everybody was at cause we were scattered across the world basically. Um, but I definitely think that, um, you know, a lot of the training camp I'm assuming, uh, will be focused on Arizona coyotes. Obviously they have a, a very skilled, potent, fast offense and team. And, you know, they're really strong all the way across the board. So I think it's interesting where usually when you have a, know a game or a playoff series you have a day to really prepare for it and in a playoff series normally you kind of adjust from game to game as you know things come about and you know for us uh, I know the coaches have been putting in uh, a lot of work uh, just to kind of get prepared for this um, and I definitely think uh, you know for us it's going to be huge because we haven't really had a training camp with uh, Heinze uh, under our uh, you know behind the bench it was kind of you know we kind of got thrown into it um, at a uh, you know a a weird part of uh, part of the season. So in order to have these uh, practices and this training camp to, you know, get our systems down pat and also focus on Arizona and our own game, I think being able to have that time uh, together is going to be huge. Anything else, Charlie? No, I think that that's a, that's a great way to finish. Yeah, you can finish it right there. Colin, great to see you, man. Best of luck to you. Uh, Stay well, and uh, we'll be rooting for you. Appreciate it. Hey. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, Aaron, heard you're not feeling so hot, but uh, cross my fingers. Hope all is well and hope you feel better. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's Colin Blackwell. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.